Welcome to episode 118 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the aggressive goes around edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, thanks, as always, to my co-host and partner in crime, Joshua Fine, for the name. I was going to go with RG Bargy Worldwide, since it is Lamar weekend, coming off an IMSA weekend. But, you know, RG Bargy, I should just throw it in sparingly. But aggression did go around, for sure, all over the world of motorsports, mostly in bad uh, in a bad way, um, in gateway this past weekend, uh, Ross Chastain hit everything but the lottery. Um, amongst other things I went on in the cup race, the enjoy Illinois 300. And, uh, we had Xfinity at Portland with a lot of wrecking, a lot of spinning people going off and AJ Allmendinger winning while, uh, he got a top 10 in the cup race after not even ever running a lap at gateway before if you're somebody who had practice and you finish behind aj almendinger probably don't want to won't be feeling too good about that including my driver who started on pole and uh led 27 laps and then disappeared after that uh we'll get into the detroit grand prix where winch power uh got tied michael andretti and wins or one away from michael andretti and wins in indycar and uh retook the points lead as they go to road america this weekend uh the roundup We'll get into uh, plenty to talk about there all over the world of motorsports. Preview Azerbaijan, IndyCar, for Formula One, IndyCar Road America, Cup and Trucks will be at Sonoma. And of course, we'll throw to the man right here. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, Phil. You know, I'm exactly right about that. Aggressive goes around. Ross Chastain, like you said, he hit everything but the lottery. I mean, I'll think he hit everything but the pace car um you know cue uh, days of thunder there I was watching top gun the other night so you know kind of fits there too but yeah a lot of a lot of that going around with him Danny hamlin chase elliott uh R- ricky stenhouse on sunday and you know, of course yeah oh richard yeah oh richard uh right into bubba wallace there uh in that race and ruined his deal uh, and then danny got involved there too uh on sunday but you had that and then alexander rossi uh was a little bit more aggressive than what we've seen in the past two years and finishing second came about a second short of winning his first race since 2019 it will uh Got it done at Detroit, uh, avenging last year, and you know all that stuff. And of course, um, a lot of rain went around at Xfinity. We question, continue to question the uh, driving credibility for people like Jesse Luigi and being able to participate in the in Xfinity and wreck Ty Gibbs. Although, uh, you know that not like we care too much that it was Ty Gibbs, I guess. But yeah, a lot of a um, lot of aggression, good and bad, uh, going around here uh, this past weekend. Plenty of aggression and plenty of racing to go over for sure here tonight, and um, that's what we're going to do right now. Let's start with Gateway. First time Cup has been at Worldwide Technology Raceway, Gateway. They had all kinds of characters in the booth. You had Hillbilly Clint and his cousin brother, um, Kenny Wallace, and his uh, sister and former car owner, Michael Waltrip, all in there calling this race. Chase Briscoe. Qualified on pole for the first time in his career in the Cup Series, but then after a bad year tire failure, um, goes and falls all the way back. Gets He led the first 27 laps and then uh, ended up uh, not having anything to show for it. Um, but Joey Logano, who was fast all weekend up until the last session of qualifying, 
ends up having a nice battle with Kyle Busch, uh, former teammates battling each other, two guys that have never really liked each other. And Kyle Busch goes and uh, loses late to Joey Logano. They go five laps over the scheduled distance there at the Joy Illinois 300. Uh, Joey Logano led two times for 22 laps, gets his second win of 2022, so plenty of twos going on there. Kyle Busch finished second. Kurt Busch finished third after winning second stage. Ryan Blaney gets another top five finish. And uh, Eric Almirola, one of his best runs of the year, probably his best run of the year. Martin Truex, who was in the news because people are talking about him, whether he's going to retire or not, uh, came back to finish sixth. Eric Jones finished seventh. Ross Chastain finished eighth, but it definitely wasn't as clear-cut as him finishing eighth. Christopher Bell finished ninth. A.J. Allmendinger started tailback after uh, replacing uh, defending series champion Ben Rhodes, who qualified practice and qualified the car. And uh, started tailback, no practice, finished 10th. Um, you look at some of the other people, Austin Sindrick was a beneficiary of uh, Chase Briscoe's misfortune and won the first stage. You had Michael McDowell at 34 laps there, uh, Larson there, you had Reddick. People who scored some stage points, Clyde, which we're going to get into. Daniel Suarez got a stage, some stage points. Even Cole Custer got some stage points. Um, and then you have uh, Kevin Harvick didn't get any stage points and destroyed his car. Uh, Stenhouse up there. Danny Hamlin got stage points in stage one. And that's, I guess, where we're going to go. I mean, there's two ways we can go with this. We can talk about Logano, uh, who had the pace and in the end, had a very nice battle. One of the best, I think, head-to-head, clean battles we've seen in recent memory in NASCAR amongst two guys that have never really cared for each other, whether they were teammates, when they were teammates, or past post uh, their time together at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, Kyle Busch left uh, raging, yelling at his brother, um, amongst other people, not very happy. Joey Logano, very excited getting another win at a first-time racetrack, um, getting his 30th career Cup Series win. So, I mean, he's getting to that number. I mean, we, we I guess that number in terms of NASCAR Hall of Fame really just is nowhere to be. Uh, there's no spe- specific number there. But for Joey Logano, I think his Hall of Fame credentials are pretty solid at the moment. Uh, he just wants that second championship. There's so many of these guys that want that second championship to solidify their career. Joey's young enough where if he can get a second one, it might start something. It might start a little trend, uh, even with the youth movement that's going on in the sport. But more than the Logano story and the battle he had with Kyle Busch was Ross Chastain, who has been a standout performer this year in the Cup Series, breakout year for him. But yesterday was not one of his finest performances of his career or his life. Uh, got into Danny Hamlin hard in turns in turn one, uh, one and two, and then sent him into the fence. Uh, similar to what Logano did to uh, William Byron at Darlington. But then uh, Danny Hamlin made it his job to basically go and follow Ross Chastain everywhere and use his car as basically a a way to go and tell him hey um you, I ain't going to you ain't going to like this the rest of the day it even got worse later on there was a restart or whatever and it went three wide and Clyde and 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 Ross Chastain got into it 
and uh and then, then he crossed him over right after yeah. that alpha turn too yeah and that was yeah the, so they had that i had bj mcclaude got involved in that deal he was going to run over clyde which was going to be good i kind of want to see that personally because uh bj mcclaude's a big dude um i can't put these glasses on here so i'm gonna move this um fact of the matter is with the events of yesterday i mean ross chastain is a contender for this championship he was he hit everything but the lottery he was getting targeted by multiple drivers he's still finished in the top 10 he still beat his teammate and he ain't going away he's gonna make at least make it through at least a round or two um i would i would venture to say i don't this this performance has been steady the whole year it's not like they've had any real dips there are teams that are just wildly inconsistent like the 14 cars just an example or the two car i mean the 11's been wildly the 11 the 11 is not consistent at all the only reason they're in the playoff is because they've got two wins otherwise they're in the 20s in the points so chastain's gonna be there but basically now denny hamlin's like i'm gonna run you over in the playoffs and one thing i i loved is uh his ross chastain's car owner justin marks saying bring it because i think it's almost like he's calling him on his, his shit because he's like hey i know you you aren't you aren't known as a big time closer he's basically insinuating we're, we're getting some nice melodrama here but i think it's like justin marks is basically insinuating you ain't a closer bruh i want to see you actually try to go and finish my car off and think it's gonna work out um so i guess we have a rivalry in uh the cup series we have ross chastain against the world huh josh well yeah i mean you know you look at this how this is playing out you know um with ross chastain being an aggressive driver and kind of want to parallel it back to brad keselowski when he was going through the xfinity series you know his first uh two years there when he was driving for jrm in the 88 car and you know the even the first year he was in the 12 car uh and first year at penske uh there when the 22 car i mean go back to the last gateway race in 2010 uh when um, he got hooked by Brad or by Carl Edwards coming to the line um, uh, in that race, and that was because of aggression because he bumped uh, Carl Edwards in turn one, and then you know Carl went and hooked him right back on the front straight and everything. And then, Roid Rage special. Yep, 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 that's the Roid Rage special there, and you know I mean I don't think it's the you know same thing there, but uh, here I mean you know the whole season and even in past I mean go back to what 2017 Kevin Harvick at Darlington with uh, Chastain. Uh, coming off of two in the Xfinity race uh, there. So there's history of Chastain being aggressive. But, you know, I feel like, you know, it's kind of the same deal with Brad Keselowski. He's trying to race people hard all the time. Uh, and he's trying to prove himself in the series and, you know, trying to prove he belongs. And he's been, you know, really good the whole season driving. Uh, I mean, I guess like that. And, you know, he's got two wins uh, being able to uh, to pull off stuff like that, and you agree with it or not, but he's there. He's there in the one car for a reason, and Justin Marks paying him to uh, do that job. I and mean, uh, he go back to Chip Ganassi putting him in that car after you know replace Kyle Larson. I mean, he's in the car for a reason. So um, you know he knows how to race people hard. And yeah, I mean, just dial that dial it back a little bit, and uh, you know be a little bit more. I guess consistent with um your approach and um you know being able to know when to be aggressive and not when to be aggressive but 
you know, he, that's that's how it goes, and uh, we'll see what happens. And you just another young gun coming up through the series that's you know basically ruffled the feathers by you know being good and racing hard against uh, the established veterans, just like Kislowski. You know, he ruffled feathers with Denny, ruffled feathers with uh, Carl Edwards, um, you know, Kyle Busch, all all those guys. Um, so it'll it'll come around eventually, and you know, in probably ten years, Ross Chastain will be kind of like that too, I guess with other like young guns Harvick. Yeah. They, I saw the comparison on uh, the bias by Instagram where he was comparing Ross Chastain to Ernie, which was oh, yeah. interesting, which the is very, there very, too. which there is a lot. They, if there is a similarity that I, to, uh, and having to apologize and running into a lot of people, causing wrecks, whatever that Ernie comparison is huge because you look at the small time, where Ross was, Ross was driving just dog shit for most of his career. He had like one season in Brad's truck about seven years ago or something like that. Then that opportunity came along with Chip, uh, cheap, uh, in that 42 Xfinity car. And then he took a, he raised himself another level to the point where he is now. If it wasn't for that opportunity to jump in that type of equipment, he wouldn't have gotten in a other cup equipment, been running every week in the cup stuff. He wouldn't have been getting a niece. He wouldn't have gotten that niece for the niece situation, probably is similar to what he had always been in. But he wrote, he raised that team up to a level to where when he drives their trucks, they're at a different level than where they are elsewhere. Ross Chastain has proven himself. Ross Chastain has always been this guy. Ross Chastain has usually pissed people off. Now he is doing it in, in, in the big leagues. And there are a lot of sensitive people now. Um, the sport has changed, Josh, obviously. Even when, from when you came in to it, what is it, 17 years ago, really, when you first, or tw- like, I would, you, you started I'd say watching. This is 20 years now. So, you're 20 years for you? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I figured it was like, I, uh, Joe, I think, was the one that was talking about, like, 04, 05. Um, for me, this is going back 30 years. This aggressiveness. It's part and parcel. Kevin Harvick did it. All these guys that call up and call out the, all this stuff, they did it too. I'm a Tony Stewart fan. He didn't like it. Well, he did it too. Kevin Harvick's done it. Danny Hamlin's done it. Kyle Busch has done it. All these guys, they've done it. And now that it's reversed and they're older and they, they've got more on the line now, they're not a fan of it. When they had kids and they got this and that, they're not a fan of it. When they were 20 years old, they were doing that crap. And I'm not condoning Ross Chastain's driving standards yesterday. It wasn't good. He was, that's the, the saddest I've ever seen Ross Chastain and the MFR used to start in park. The guy was sad, depressed, and... Yeah, he looked like he was about to cry. Yeah, and he's got guys targeting him. And it's like, dude, that was the worst cup race he's probably had in his career that actually mattered, you know? Like... He, he's driven starting park cars, you know, he's driven in 25th to 30th for years in the Xfinity series. The, the fact of the matter is, though, let's see it. That's what I want to say. I'm like, all right, fine. He effed up. Let's see it. Let, can, can, is he going to be able to race around Hamlin? Will Hamlin use him up before the playoffs or will Hamlin wait until like the Elite Eight? and use them up or if he gets knocked out of the playoffs and Chastain is still in what is it to him to go and not run him over 
You know, like that's literally the whole point. You know, Clyde isn't going to run over anybody, so nobody gives a fuck. It really doesn't matter. But it's more about Danny Hamlin because he's got this like anger issue with all the drugs he's done in his life that he wants to go and 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 call bullshit on other people, even though he he's no saint and he's no angel. Um, it's whatever to me. Um, but yeah, I mean. I wanted to add that Ernie Irvin part. I'm sorry if I... No, no, you didn't cut me off. I mean, it adds on more to it, really. Because I think when it comes to Denny Hamlin, he's always kind of been a hip- hypocrite in his in his in some of his takes and some of the ways he's gone about driving some people. And it's like, dude, we get it. Now you're owner Denny Hamlin, so you have a little bit more clout. But here's the reality of the world. At the end of the day, if Joe Gibbs wants Ty to drive that car... He could just as easily tell you, hey, you got your own team. Go ahead. You can go and drive that. You know, that's what they're going to do to Martin Truex. They're saying, oh, Ty's going to run next year in the Xfinity series. No, he isn't. He's he's coming to cup next year. It's just a case of where is it going? If they can't find Kyle Busch a sponsor, Kyle Busch, 60 fucking cup wins and two championships and one of the greatest drivers ever. That's the flagship car at Joe Gibbs Racing. What is it stopping them to go and put them in the fucking 18 car? What is it stopping FedEx? If if they could go and convince FedEx, oh, we have this dweeb that we only have to pay $100,000 because he's grandpa's kid. Uh, FedEx was driving around in 2005. They weren't even making races the first year they, they, they were in the Cup Series with the Gibbs team while Tony was winning a championship. You know, Christopher Bell. I mean, Toyota wants him. But the 20 car has been a revolving door since Tony left. The, the the Joe Gibbs Racing in general has kind of been a revolving door outside of Kyle and Denny, um, you know, since 2008. So what what's it to them? I mean, let's really get into this thing. If you really want to talk about drive and driving standard and thing like that, do they want to get raced harder? Do they not want to get? It's like boys have had it. Boys have had it. Or boys have had it. Yeah, boys have had it. But boys have at it used to be the marketing slogan Robin Pemberton said and all. Always have at and have a good time. Yeah, well, and I think there was a different change. There was a time and difference then. I don't know where it changed or what changed or who changed it. Um, The culture from when smoke came into the sport at the end of the 90s to when Kyle Busch came into sport five years later with like Denny Hamlin and like Martin Truex, Kevin Harvick came in around the same time as Tony. And then since then, there's been changes. Like every five, ten years, there seems to be a, a shift. And now people just don't want to race anybody anymore. They're either going to hit you or nothing. So they're, they're, is it because of the cars? Is it because of the way things are? Is it because certain drivers have a little more desperation than other people? I don't know. But personally, I didn't hate that race yesterday. Uh, that's one of the best races I've ever seen at that racetrack. And that car for considering some of the issues they've had at flat tracks or relatively flat tracks, this car actually raced pretty well. It got better later in the race. They needed a lot of time. They needed to put down rubber, um, to make the thing run a little better to get a couple of grooves. It was very single file, um, typical, but I think as the race went on and urgency came along, I think the quality of this car relative to most racetracks came out and it made it so that a track that wasn't generally suited to stock cars became suited to stock cars with this particular vehicle. 
which is a positive, which is something that Joey um, went and, and brought to great effect. And you saw that gamesmanship between him and Kyle Busch, Josh, in these restart choices and having to run that high line versus the low line, going and using traffic, going and doing the over-unders. That was great. That was a great battle between those two guys. And it, and, it, and it's something that, you know, they need to show to people, the little kids. Instead of the bullshit they always show in the replays and crashing, they need to show that because that was good racing amongst two people that probably don't really care for each other. Yeah, I agree there. And you, know, you talk about the racing dynamic um, between using the high line and the low line. I mean, tie it back into sim racing. I mean, using, um, you know, that experience from, you know, racing the iRacing Indy cars, you know, a lot of times defending the position you take the at Gateway, because I've raced there a lot in the Indy cars, you take the high line um, going into turn one and into uh, turn three, and um, you can, you know, really use a lot of momentum on the high side to defend your position and, and hold the person from passing you. Um, and then, you know, if you have a lot of speed coming off of the corner, you know, you can make up a, a lot of time using the low line uh, to pass and uh, whatnot. So, yeah, there's a lot of lane choice definitely there on Sunday uh, with the cup cars, which is interesting. And they, you know, they said it was going to be hard to pass and it kind of was hard to pass, but at least you were able to have um, kind of that difference in lane choice and um, you had the ability to make up time uh, that way. And when it counted, you were, um, you know, when the time mattered and you counted, you were able to pass and make your moves and everything. And that's why you're able to see, you know, a lot of three wide racing throughout the field. Cause you know, you had one car try to, you know, use the low line, try to, you know, run the bottom. You had one guy on the top, one guy in the middle, and then they would come off the corner three wide. And then usually the guy on, you know, the top side have the momentum and uh, keep going uh, and maintain position down the back straight or the front straight of uh gateway. So Definitely, you know, a lot of uh, that uh, tactic uh, going on throughout uh, throughout the field, and yeah, definitely, you know, contributed to probably a lot of the aggression to, um, um, you know, with maybe it being a little bit hard to pass there, and um, people, you know, making suggestions on what they need to do. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about it before. I think maybe the thing they may need to do to improve passing is just to uh, give a little bit more power. So maybe the guy trying to pass in the bottom can. Uh, you know, get back in the throttle and uh, generate a little bit more power coming off of the corner. Because um, that's kind of the thing with, uh, I guess, the horsepower limited cars is you have, um, you know, when you try to make a pass and you need more power to um, be in that uh, passing lane to come off the corner, you know, the other guy on the high side can you, um, use use the top and use that momentum to keep going and defend the position there. So, yeah, that's uh, definitely all part of it. And, you know, we saw all of that and uh, definitely uh, – interesting dynamic there and you know certainly makes for an interesting product and you know hopefully we continue to see it again as the cup series races uh in gateway in the future and they're going to be there for a long time uh they've been missing out honestly running at gateway for a couple of decades it looks like because they showed up curtis francois and company um the people at worldwide technologies uh this race was, they said it was a sellout. I mean, whatever. I guess they sold all the seats, whatever, but not all the seats were filled. They had all kinds of entertainment. Just like the IndyCar weekend that they have, they did a great job with this NASCAR weekend. They ain't leaving Gateway anytime soon. So for people that want to be mad about that race or whatever, you ain't, they ain't leaving Gateway. Um, that, that race is going to be there. Uh, hopefully they leave it, I guess, right around here. I mean, considering it used to be a Dover Motorsports 
entity, and now Gateway is um, now in the spot where it used to be the Dover uh, weekend. Kind of interesting how that worked out, but uh, it's uh, I think that's a good spot right after the Coca-Cola 600 to go to this racetrack. I think is a nice spot for them to have this race, so it'll be an interesting transition um, for sure. And a couple of great, you know, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of wrecking, a lot of nonsense, longest race ever last week in the 600, but it was a, a race that had good, it was a, a Charlotte race that was actually good and gateway was good. So a couple good weeks leading into Snoroma getting into the points, uh, as of, uh, after the, this weekend at gateway, Chase Elliott is still the overall points leader by nine over Kyle Busch. Uh, his uh, lead over Ross Chastain is 17 points. Ryan Blaney is fourth, 28 points behind, and Martin Truex is 37 points behind in fifth. Logano is sixth in points, 40 back. And uh, yeah, so there's that. And then right now, in terms of uh, playoff points, the leaders in playoff points are Chastain, Byron, at 13, and then Logano at 11, or actually Denny Hamlin has 12, uh, but he's 19th in points, so there you go. So he's actually second in playoff points at the moment, or third in playoff points um, at the moment, but he's 19th in overall standings. I'm trying, he's behind his, uh, his, uh, one of his drivers there, Kurt Busch, and um, got some of these other people here. In regards to the actual points, or for the Playoff points set up. Kevin Harvick actually fell out with his accident uh, yesterday. Uh, Kevin Harvick fell out of the cutoff. He's two points behind Tyler Reddick. Eric Almirola getting that huge run gets himself in. And right now the battle is between Almirola, Reddick, Harvick points-wise with Eric Jones, Austin Dillon uh, about 20, 25 points behind. And then Daniel Suarez is way further back in 20th. So something to look at uh, right now, 11 different winners so far this year. You look at the likes of Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex, who have run well a lot this year. I think it would be, wouldn't be shocking if one or both of those guys win here in the near future. And then after that, you go and look at other guys who have run up run well at times this year like uh like the like Kevin Harvick like Tyler Reddick who hasn't won a cup race yet like Daniel Suarez and then all of a sudden it becomes a uh likely uh, possible scenario where you will need to win a race to even get into the playoff and if you don't have if you only have one win then it becomes a point situation in its own right which on that front, just to get into it before we get into the Xfinity and, and trucks, Austin Sindrick is last in regards of those with a win, but he's only three points behind Kurt Busch, who's 17th in points. Sindrick is like 18th in points. So, and uh, Denny Hamlin is behind both of them, but he has two wins, so it doesn't matter. So the points battle within the battle is between Briscoe, who has like a 20 nine-point lead on Kurt Busch, and then Austin Sindrick. But we haven't gotten there just yet. We'll see if it gets there. But at the moment, uh, it's it's getting there. Uh, we got good racing. Hopefully, Sonoma's actually good as well. 
Uh, let's get into um, and and actually before I go, just want to go before we get into that, go and give a shout out to uh, Zane Smith making his cup debut. Did a great job as well uh, yesterday. Seventeenth, yeah, yeah, to finish seventeenth in that car beats uh, the car owner who called him. Uh, he's goes and says I was collecting Brad Keselowski diecasts uh, years ago, and now he called me to drive his car and. He beat Brad Keselowski yesterday, so there is that. And he beat a bunch of other people, too, you know, guys who have, you know, champions. So Keselowski, Elliott, he, and then guys who have won a ton of cup races as well. And then, like, uh, I'm going to go through here, go through here. But, yeah, Harvick and Hamlin. I mean, Harvick's a champion and then Hamlin. So he beat some really big guys yesterday. So it's a huge, huge accomplishment for him uh, likely he's going to be in a cup car next year i would think uh considering he's part of the ford development ladder uh get into the xfinity series josh uh, aj allmendinger won the race so that isn't shocking because it is and um 31 adjustments prior to green flag going off four four times during the event hey it is what it is i guess uh, aj allmendinger uh won Yet another race, uh, Xfinity's second of the year, eighth road course win in the Xfinity series. So that's uh, pretty good. And um, 12th career victory in the Xfinity series. So clutch performance there. Um, beats Myatt Snyder late, who was trying to sneak into the playoffs. A guy who's definitely needs a win or else he's going to be... Uh, uh, on the outside looking in, uh, playoff-wise, Austin Hill, who started second, Josh Berry, Josh Berry finished fourth, wow, Justin Allgaier fifth, Daniel Hemrick sixth, Ty Gibbs, even though he won a stage and led the most laps, uh, got run over, it was funny, um, J.J. Ailey finished eighth, Norm Gagson ninth, Alex LeBay finished tenth, there are other people who had stage points over the Race Scott Heckard actually got a 13th place finish, so credit to him there. Andy Lally's finished second in stage two for um, Alpha Prime. Connor Mozak finished third in stage one for Gibbs. Brett Moffich, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the rough day for Sam Mayer, Herbst, uh, Jeremy Clements, guys that really uh, wanted to have an opportunity to make something happen. Anthony Alfredo qualified on pole, but uh, got wrecked. He was involved in a wreck with uh, Mozak, Chase, Pumpelli, and Bailey Curry. Sheldon Creed and Jeb Burton got into it. Sheldon Creed, who was on uh, Baby Watch, uh, had uh, Kaz Grala on standby. He was trying to go and make points, but he, he led a lap but wasn't able to pay it off. So, yeah, AJ, it's like AJ Allmendinger wins a road race and it was full of, it was a lot of rain and a lot of nonsense. But in the end, AJ Allmendinger puts himself uh, uh, strongly, um, gives himself some, some solid ground, 43 point lead on Gibbs, 44 on Gregson. So the regular season title is something I think he's aiming at. Um, and the playoff point standings are really the four drivers. It's it's a four-horse race for this championship. It's Almendinger, Gibbs, Gregson, and Barry. And then after that, I think it's kind of hard to see anybody else. I mean, maybe Allgaier, but 
I have a hard time believing anybody else outside of that is really going to do anything. Um, in recent weeks, Daniel Hemrick's been able to move himself up in points, so now he's solidly in the um, points in ninth. And the gap to the cutoff at 12th place is, is uh, what is it, 58 points. Or is that real? No, that, that can't be. Uh, or from the leader, it's 58 points, but it's... Forty-five? No, it is fifty-eight points. Yeah, wow. fifty-eight points from yeah, 12th so to 13th. from twelve to thirteenth. Yeah, so Anthony Alfredo did qualify on pole. He was in a position where he could have had an opportunity, maybe possibly get that first career win, lock himself into the playoff um, again, uh, like he had a chance earlier this year. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to. All the our motorsports cars are thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth, and they're within. 13 points of each other. So let's just say that they're all relatively consistent. Uh, That battle, I mean, that's an interesting battle from 13th all the way on through. There's 15 points from 13th to 17th. And you have Myatt Snyder, who was hoping to backdoor his way into the playoff with the one stage when he's had earlier this year. If he had won, he was 18th in points. That would have knocked Ryan Sieg out. Um, As it stands right now, uh, the guys who are in points wise would make it in. Um, but there's, that's really what we have to look at later in this Xfinity series season, Josh. Uh, I mean, Allmendinger wins issues between Gibbs and Gregson Gibbs gets run over by, uh, um, what's his face? Um, uh, uh, why am I forgetting it? Jesse Awuji. Jesse Awuji under yellow, which is kind of funny. Um, Gagson goes and buys merch off of his website because of that. Um, Gibbs has uh, had kind of a rough go of it recently, but in the end, A.J. Allmendinger wins on a road course, but it wasn't as straightforward as it seems. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, he, Like you said, he went off course like four times and uh, multiple pit stops and whatnot. But, I mean, this is his, what, eighth win in 20 starts on uh, road courses in Xfinity. And, and so that's a pretty high winning percentage. And I think they said he had the most wins all time already for a road course uh, driver in the Xfinity series. So, you know, as long as he continues to race in the series, um, you know, he's going to end up being the record holder probably for a very long time in that category. Uh, but I mean, it's not a surprise that he won, but you know, the fact that he was able to come back and do it is um, what the surprise is and how he went, you know, what he went through and, I mean, one here in uh, 2006 in Champ Cars and Cart, uh, you know, uh, so he has experience winning here. So now you know, he's won in an open wheel car, now in a stock car uh, on this track, and he only led like six laps to win this race. So yeah, it was um, not the way that you want to win, but you know he's able to uh, do it uh, and make it you know count where it mattered the most uh, there for sure. And yeah, it was a lot of a lot of surprising elements to this race, like you said, like. Uh, Ty Gibbs getting wrecked under caution uh, didn't take him out, but you know he just spun out throughout the race. Uh, you know Jesse Wuji, you know doing that uh, contact with Noah Gregson, Sheldon Creed uh, having issues, and uh, Sheldon Creed getting taken out of the race. Uh, you know a lot of things that happened. I mean, at one point they were talking about Jade Buford uh, potentially winning because he was leading uh, towards the very end of that race, which would have been shocking. He led like four laps, I think, towards the end of the race. And then, you know, you talk about um, people like Andy Lally, who are only doing this, you know, on a, a, a part-time basis. They're, you know, just there for road course races, and that's it. And um, 
Andy Lally uh, had a chance, like he was like running in second, I think, had an opportunity there. You know, JJ Elliott, somebody that you know we never talked about in this series and haven't talked about in a long time period in NASCAR, uh, finished in the top ten here in eighth, running for Carl Long. So yeah, a lot of a lot of things that happened uh, in this race. Uh, that were topsy turvy and uh, things like that. You know, you had Alex LeBay who talked about him previewing this race, finishing tenth uh, there. Uh, Myatt Snyder has uh, been pretty good overall this year, but um, got a second place finish. Uh, and you know, he's not really that great of a driver, so being able to finish uh, second at a road course like uh, like Portland certainly is uh, pretty commendable, I think. And yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of names here that we don't normally see. Uh, in the top 20, uh, again, um, Scott Heckert, I mean, who's that? He finished in uh, 13th for B.J. McLeod. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Graff finished in 21st, so better than what whatever place they would have ran. Matt Jaskell finished in 18th. So a lot of these guys that don't normally see uh, good finishes end up coming away with at least a decent finish in this race. It's an opportunity when it rains, and especially in its Xfinity, you're liable to see some interesting uh, results and that's what we saw on Saturday afternoon at Portland International Raceway first uh, time NASCAR this big three series has been back since the year 2000 there with the truck series so definitely an interesting one plenty of argy bargy that went on there uh, and the truck series though a little more straightforward Corey Heim wins his second race of the year and he uh, he goes and wins the first of the triple truck challenge or whatever. Uh, so that's uh, he won the pole. It was uh, Gibbs or Gibbs. I mean Joe the the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks were up there. Uh, Heim and Chandler Smith led sixty of the hundred sixty five laps. Ben Rhodes, a defending series champion, led forty three laps. So obviously it was a Toyota benefit. Um, Rhodes won one stage, Chandler Smith won the other one stage two, Chandler, Chandler Smith won stage one, Rhodes won stage two, Himes finished second in stage one, um, but he goes and gets the W, John Hunter finished third in stage one, but uh, wrecked uh, during the second stage uh, early, unfortunately for him, you know, there was three trucks that actually failed to go on, well, uh, so there is that. In regards to the finish, Heim, Eckes, Chandler Smith, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter, top five, so all Toyotas. D Burrito, Rouse, who was up there late, Ben Rhodes, Zane Smith, and Chase Purdy gets a top 10 finish. Uh, Raja Karuth finished 11th, driving for Spire in the number seven truck. Matt Crafton finished 12th. Uh, I guess that's really about it. I mean, the one of the stories that came from the race was uh, uh, the wreck that saw Carson Hosevar get run into, uh, go and hit the wall, and then Tyler Hill uh, nailed him, and he got hurt. There's still no word, at least from what I saw last time I was on social media, about Carson Hosevar and his whereabouts in regards to this weekend's race at Snoroma, but... For Corey Heim, of course, he's not running every race, so it really doesn't affect the point standings that way. Uh, the owner point standings, it affects because they have two wins, so they'll be in the playoff uh, either way. Um, ben Rhodes is up by 17 points on Chandler Smith, 21 points on Zane Smith. 
and uh, those are the top three guys. Um, John Hunter Nemechek, even with the accident and the poor finish, is only 22 points back in fourth. Stuart Friesen is 24 points back of the lead in fifth. So points are very tight. Eckes is only 34 points back. Um, in regards to stage wins, I mean, the top five in points have... 17 stage wins so far this year, along with seven overall race wins in 11 starts. Uh, Corey Heim has two um, outside of that group, and then you have, uh, what was it, William Byron won a race, and Ross Chastain won at Charlotte. So two cup guys who are competing for the Cup Series championship, and then you have Corey Heim, and then you have the guys that are in the top five in points. So the cutoff battle for the Top 10 is somewhat interesting. Derek Krause, um, I mean, there he's 44 points behind Grant Enfinger, but you have him and Tanner Gray, Dee Burrito, Tyler Ankrum, who have all run every race this year. Purdy, um, because he DNQ'd, I'm not sure if he somehow or another pulled one out of his ass, if he would be able to backdoor his way into the playoff. Uh, but that's really the battle. There's a there's 14 for 10, and five spots already locked in. Six if you consider the 51 um, in regards to the owner points. But uh, first of the three races in the Triple Truck Challenge, won by Corey Heim. Uh, got into a lot of stuff with Ty Gibbs last year while they were racing together in the um, ARCA series. But now um, the Corey Heim goes and gets a second win of his career and likely solidifies himself as a guy who's going to be in a Kyle Busch Motorsports vehicle next year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's an interesting point you, know, you make there with the 51 is that this is a car that can still win uh, races uh, no matter what, uh, who, who's in the car, uh, whether it's Kyle Busch or a development driver and uh, or uh, the 18 or the 50. Even the four, talking about the whole uh, stable for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and all three of those cars are um, capable of winning races uh, with the right driver. And now Corey Heim goes gets a second career win at Gateway uh, or at Worldwide Technology Raceway, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, action there that happened. Of course, teammate, uh, like you said, John Hunter Nemechek uh, tried to use a little bit too much curbing in turn three and four, and uh, crashed out of the race uh, there. Um, you know, the other guys that stood out to me in this one, you know, Johnny Sauter finished fifth. He's, you know, hasn't really had a great season per se, but you get a fifth place finish uh, at a, you know, series that you're not really doing all that well. And, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. Um, um, Raja Kruth, Truck Series debut, takes it home uh, in uh, 11th for Spire Motorsports. Chase Purdy uh, running the 61 for Hattori Racing in 10th place. Um, Matt DiBenedetto, the cup veteran in sixth place. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of good finishers here in, uh, this race here and, and definitely, you know, the championship Ben Rhodes, uh, still, still in it as the leader, uh, Chandler Smith, you know, is only 17 points back. So it's still pretty tight. I feel like for the championship battle. Um, but of course, like you said, the middle positions from sixth through, uh, even second, I think, are very up for grabs here um, as we you know continue forward and uh, move on to the playoffs. And it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. And you know, like you said, for Carson Hosevar, hopefully, hopefully he's uh, okay and everything, and um, doesn't have an issue uh, with 
his uh, injuries or whatever. They said, I think they said he may have an issue with his ankle or something. So uh, hopefully he's able to rest up uh, going into the next race or two. And, you know, hopefully he's able to race, uh, especially they said they're going to Sonoma for the truck series. So it's going to be a lot of work, uh, especially, you know, if he decides to use the clutch during the break, uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, footwork involved. So, you know, hopefully they able to heal him up uh, if they can before going into next weekend. And it's a big deal because with Josevar, he's become kind of a person that everyone's discussing in regards to his his uh, whereabouts and what he's been doing and getting so close to winning races. And I mean, Josevar's eighth in points. He has a twenty point gap on Matt Crafton um, and twenty six on Granin Finger in tenth, eighteen points behind Ty Majeski in seventh. So. Um, He's got a little bit of a cushion, but, you know, the way things can go on road courses, the way the schedule lies, it it could kind of get crazy for him. You have Sonoma here this coming weekend. Then the following week, they're going to race at Knoxville on the dirt, and then they'll be racing Nashville uh, Super Speedway. So this is a busy part of the schedule, this eight races, eight weeks in a row racing. And then they'll it'll start becoming very um, spare. the The truck schedule after this, after the Nashville race, will be very uh, on and off. Um, many weeks off at times, three weeks between races. Um, you know, there'll be off weeks between the the cutoff race and cutoff race and the final race kind of deal. So interesting uh, scheduling the NASCAR uh, people have done here in this spot, but, um, how, uh, Carson Hosevar is able to respond here. And I went Brooklyn for Guppy, uh, throwing the Emerald, um, Guppy troop, the legend going and bowling with his son in the King of the lanes, um, Royal family edition, uh, going and uh, bowling. He's in his seventies, got them sunglasses limping along, throwing that IQ Emerald. And it's classic, uh, trying to go, We'll see if it'll hold. Oh, it did hold, but he chopped it. Uh, that's a, that's tough. Um, see if Kyle can actually come through and uh, help him out there. But the Barnes Barnes fam is looking like they're going to have a good shot to win this one. Anyway, um, get through all the NASCAR stuff. So getting an IndyCar. Uh, Will Power wins again. Wins the 100th race for Chevrolet since they returned to IndyCar competition in 2012 at the Chevy Detroit Grand Prix. So that was a strong run for him. Avenges his loss from 2021 when he um, had the race won and then uh, they red flagged the race and then he couldn't um, restart. So that was a tough, tough pill for him to swallow. After this weekend, uh, so they have these three consecutive races, Indianapolis, Belle Isle, and then next race we're going to discuss later. And then there will be a gap of time, and then there will be a very busy period of uh, the season starts around Toronto. There's a lot of mid-Ohio. And then once Toronto comes along, they're going to be racing a lot uh, there uh, to end out the season. So, um, yeah, Will Power goes and gets the win. Right, 2022. Yeah, so 
Will Power gets the win over Alexander Rossi. Scott Dixon finishes third. Joseph Newgarden started on uh, start on pole, but finished fourth. Pato Award finished fifth. Polo, Erickson, Herda, Pagano, Rosenquist round out your top ten. So three Chip Ganassi cars in the top seven. Uh, you have Arrow McLaren, of course, represented with both their cars in the top ten, and then two Penske cars up there as well. But for Will Power, he goes and gets another victory at Detroit, the last one at Belle Isle before they go back to the city streets of Detroit and uh, where they used to race back in the early 90s. And Formula One also raced there as well. So that'll be uh, something to see next year. Very simple looking circuit. I don't know what what it really looks like in the grand scheme of things for the cars until next year, but it'll probably get some video and stuff out for that. Um, but yeah, last race at, at uh, Belle Isle, and it was actually pretty interesting. There was a lot of action, a lot of passing, but Will Power and uh, Penske strategy helped them go and uh, get get the W there, a big W to go and retake the points lead uh, as they go on a road America. Yeah, I mean, it was a you know really interesting race. Uh, start out, uh, he start. Um. Okay. So yeah. So he did the reds. Uh, Power did the reds at the end. Uh, New Garden did that last year, which is why Power was able to pass him. But then Power's car didn't start, which in turn led to Erickson's victory. Um, well, that was last year. Yeah, yeah and then this about, year, yeah. this year Power went went primes for the first two segments and went on the option reds in the final segment yeah. while Alexander Rossi I think went reds to primes for the last two segments and which helped yeah. him in his chase to possibly go and get that victory. Yeah, so he had that that opportunity yeah that's what led to the close finish of course and um you know Will Power uh was able to um hold it down and win the race there. So uh, good driving by Will Power and Alexander Rossi. You know, he had the contract extension from uh, McLaren or, well, getting a new contract from McLaren uh, this past weekend. So now he doesn't have to worry about uh, having to get a new contract or anything like that. Now he can just go and drive and not worry about it. Now we kind of seeing starting to see the Alexander Rossi of old from, you know, 2018, 2019, uh, where he was super aggressive and, uh, being able to put the car where he wanted to put it and uh, pass people and came up one position short of getting his first win since, uh, since that era in 2019. So, um, you know, he's could end up winning a race here pretty soon. If, um, you know, it'll be two uh, years if he doesn't win or three, it's 2019. It'll be three years if he doesn't win on Sunday, um, since his last win. So, yeah, I mean, but it's true what you say about Rossi. He looks like a different guy here. The last couple of weeks, he looks like the guy that was the leader of Andretti Autosport, one of the best drivers in the series, someone who, when you put him on the most difficult circuits that America has to offer, um, especially permanent road circuits, there was really nobody that could stop him. And now he's back, he's motivated, and he's a sneaky contender uh as we end out the rest of this season because he has nothing to lose he knows he's going to a new team 
He knows his car is already spoken for, but he also wants to get that championship. He's been there, and I know Napa has been one of his big supporters. He wants to get Napa championship. Um, I'm not sure what that deal is, if he's going to bring it over to Arrow McLaren SP or not. Um, but his Yeah, that's going to be an interesting look, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I think they'll just be able, considering how bad all of Chase Elliott's paint schemes are, I think they could figure out a way to make it work with that orange, the papaya orange and all that. So uh, if he is still working with Napa. But that was a, a great run by him, and it was a great uh, battle between him and, and Power. It could have been really, really interesting if uh, it had gotten a little bit further there. But... Um, just to get back into it, yeah. Power, Rossi, Dixon, Newgarden Award were your top five. And um, the points going into the this weekend's race at Road America have Will Power leading with, by three over Marcus Erickson, the Indy 500 champion. Pato Award is 12 points back of Power in third. Defending series champion Alex Pillow is fourth. He is 14 points behind Will Powers. So those are the top four, very tightly packed. Two-time series champion Joseph Newgarden is fifth. Six-time series champion Scott Dixon is in sixth. Alexander Rossi uh, makes up the next uh, group there in seventh. Uh, two points ahead of Simon Pagino. Rosenquist and McLaughlin make up the top ten. Erda is 11th. You know, the other people there that have had their moments this year. You have you have uh, Connor Daly, twelfth, VK thirteenth, Grosjean fourteenth, and so on. Malukas had a good weekend, and then it kind of went away there. But we'll see what they do at Road America. Uh, yeah, we'll see what they do there. And one thing you want to talk about with the contract thing with Rossi is there were rumors of uh, somebody from Ganassi going over to McLaren in the seat that Rossi's going to take up now. And they said it was going to, people were talking about Alex Pillow jumping over to McLaren, and that's not a good move. Why would the champion leave his team and go to another team that's performing worse than the uh, Ganassi organization right now? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, whoever that person was, I'm pretty, I, I think I have a general idea who it was, and she's not exactly known for her great reporting, um, and most people don't care for her. but. Putting it out there for clickbait articles is part of the reason why she wasn't even in the NASCAR um, media center for a year. And Alex Pillow, I, I have a hard time believing Chip Ganassi. He's a guy who says, I like winners. Why are you going to get rid of a guy who's won you races and won you a championship? Um, I don't I don't see the value there. I mean, I don't think Dixon's ever is retiring anytime soon. If or until there's like a real prototype program for Ganassi to actually work with where he wants a guy that'll go and um, carry said program uh, with the LMDH or all that crap. But as of now, um, as of now, that's not the case. He's going to keep on running that IndyCar. And Alex Pillow has been the best teammate he's had since since Dario Franchitti. And so based on that and that alone, they don't have a reason to get rid of him. Uh, so why would he leave? Uh, they have full sponsorship from the series sponsor, uh, no less. So why would he leave? It, it makes no sense. It's kind of an illogical move. Uh, now, if you're going to say Rena's VK may end up at McLaren, 
there's a lot more validity to it. He's a Chevy. He's been driving Chevy since he got the IndyCar series. He's driving for a smaller program. Um, in regards to a previous lead driver at that team moving on to a bigger team, we know what's happened to Joseph Newgarden. Of course, he hasn't been anywhere near as prolific Renus VK as Joseph Newgarden was, but Renus VK is considered one of the best young talents in the sport, and he's very, very young. So you put him in a McLaren uh, program thinking under the pretense that Pat Award might go get called to Formula One. You put him with Alexander Rossi, third car kind of opens up. You have a pretty solid team there, I would say, uh, if that were to come to come to pass. But that's something to see. But it's definitely not going to be Alex Pillow unless um, unless Taylor Kyle is going to be opening a checkbook or something. Because the fact of the matter is Alex Pillow has been a Honda guy for a long time, too, going back to Super Formula. So I have a hard time believing based on that, that he would go and move uh, to move across in that sense. But we will see how that all goes. Uh, we'll get into the roundup here uh, to for last week. The Chevy Sports Car Classic uh, took place at Detroit. And speaking of Chip Ganassi Racing, the 0-1 car, Sebastian Bourdais and Renger van der Zanda were the winners in the zero one Cadillac and um oh Jeff Olson reported. Look at that. Um so that was uh, a big win for them. Uh ninth win for Sebastian Bourdais in the prototypes uh, with after winning the pole and was it two hundred yeah eight times and six days it's close to 250 yeah look at that um yeah so the cadillac the zero one team wins the full results of the sh- it was they won by uh the race was it aren't they showing the time yeah uh, by four tenths of a second over tom bloomquist and oliver jarvis earl bamba and alex lynn finished third so the ganassi crew finishes one three the uh, Philippe Albuquerque, Ricky Taylor, Acura, Konica Minolta, Acura finishes fourth. The five with Tristan Voltier, Richard Westbrook finishes sixth. Pippo Durrani, Olivier Pla in their first race together in the wheel and engineering Cadillac finished last in category um, in sixth uh, after starting fifth. So, and in D. In GTD, the Vassar Sullivan team called Kyle Kirkwood in. And he racing with an injury, qualified on pole. They win the race, finish seventh overall. Him and Ben Barnacote and the Lexus uh, win GTD over Ross Gunn, Roman DeAngelis, the Harder Racing Aston, and then Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and the Paul Miller Racing BMW there at um, at uh, Detroit. Let me go fast. Get through all of that. I'm gonna go and make sure I got all the details there. We'll get I mean, six hours at the Glen is coming up here in a few weeks' time. We'll get into more details after that because that'll be all the categories will be racing there in the um, six hours at the Glen um, in a few weeks. In regards to um, I'm gonna get into Moto 2 first because Moto GP had a lot of craziness. Um, the Moto2 race at uh, Barcelona sees Celestino Vietti get yet another win. 
in uh, this season over Aaron Kinnett and Augusto Fernandez, as we see Kimberly Pressler in pink. It's always great. Jake Dixon, fourth. Marcel Schroeder, fifth. Pedro Acosta coming off of his first win at Mugello last week, finished sixth. And scroll through. Oh, the American, no Americans. Sean Dillon Kelly finished 21st. Uh, Joe Roberts and Cameron Bobier both crashed early in the race, so unfortunate for both of them. Next race will be in the Saxon ring in a few couple weeks' time. Uh, standings, Vietti uh, is now 16 points ahead of Ayagura after um, his Vietti's third win of the year and fifth podium. Kinnett is um, 24 points back overall in third. Roberts, even with his accident, first non-point score of the season, uh, is still sixth in points. He's 10 points out of fourth. Bobier is 13th, so we'll see what happens when it comes to that. The Italian GP for MotoGP sees... Fabio Quattararo win over the Premac Ducati duo Jorge Martin and Johan Zarco. Joanne Mir finished fourth. Alex Espargaro uh, didn't finish the race. He was ra- he ran and he was celebrating and he forgot or didn't know that it was uh, that he still had a lap to go and backed off and lost three positions on the racetrack. And by the time he realized that he was all about ba- he lost. Sixth place or fifth place to Luca Marini was able to recover and get one position back. Um, but that was a pretty big blunder on his part. Uh, a lot of accidents in yesterday's race. Um, you know, or Fabio Di Antonio and his teammate Enea Bastaini, or you know, both had accidents. Basecki, uh, Pecco Bagnaia crashed after getting run into by Takanakagami. Ran into the back of Peko Bagnaya's bike, right rear wheel with his head. Um, Alex Rins was taken out in that accident as well. So it was a brutal, it was a pretty brutal uh, race to say the least. The standings going into the next race in Germany sees Fabio Quattararo nearly up a full race on Alicia Spargaro. Uh, he is 22 points ahead of Alicia Spargaro. Bastaini, who has won three Grand Prix this year, um, which is the best right now. He has three wins and a whole lot of nothing outside of that. Uh, is third, Johan Zarco. Fourth, Peko Bagnaya is fifth. We'll go from Moto GP, Moto 2 to Formula E, which saw Van Dorn, Van Dorn there. Sees Mitch Evans win over Jean-Eric Verne and Eduardo Mortara. Antonio Felix da Costa finishes fourth and Stoffel Van Dorn finishes fifth. Um, Andretti Autosports' Jake Dennis finishes sixth. Oliver Askew finishes 13th for Andretti Autosport. And then the Mahindra team, DNF for Oliver Roland on lap one. Alexander Sims finishes 15th. Uh, brutal there. Defending... Champion uh, Nick DeVries fell out of the race um, at lap 29, so brutal there. Now their next race will be in Marrakesh in uh, Formula E. 
the point standings going into that race. Steve Van Dorn up by five over Jean-Eric Verne, who's going for, I think, a third title. Uh, Eduardo Mortara, seven points back of Van Dorn in third. Mitch Evans is 12 points back. So battle is amongst those four at the moment. Robin Frein's uh, well back in fifth. Nick DeVries, sixth. In uh, basically a battle between himself, Lauder, Verline, Degrassi, DaCosta. Probe six to tenth going in the next race, which will be in a month's time because a lot of these guys are running Lama and then they're running uh, six hours at the Glen. So they'll be busy before the next Formula E race. WRC, they ran Rally Italy this past weekend and we saw Atanak win in his Hyundai to over Craig Breen and Craig Breen and Danny Sordo. It was your top three finishers overall. And then you had Pierre-Louis Loubet, Cali Rovampera, who's been very strong so far this year, and round out your top five. The next uh, race, next rally will be in Kenya a few weeks' time. The standings going into that, Cali Rovampera has a 55-point lead on Thierry Neuville and 57 or 58 on Atanak, who has one, um, what is it? He has one win, a second, and then uh, two other kind of throwaway points finish. So, I mean, the points battle behind Rovenpera is somewhat tight, but Rovenpera still has a big points lead. Still many races, rallies to go. There's still eight rallies to go in the season. So can't really go and call it by any stretch of imagination. It's only June. Uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be running in Baku this coming weekend. Just get into the points briefly uh, with those series. Uh, Formula 2, the standings going into Baku. See Felipe Drogovic up by 31 points over Teo Pocher. And it's really amongst those two guys. Because after that, there's a huge battle. Jahan Daruvula with 53 points is only 15 points ahead of Liam Lawson, Logan Sargent, who are eighth and tied for eighth in points. So there's a battle for the championship. Drogovic, who's won multiple races so far this year, and then Pocher. And then you have Daruvula and everybody else, really. In Formula 3, you have Victor Martins. It's much more, much tighter. Jack Crawford, the American, only 10 points back of uh, Roman... Well, that's they say for F two F three. It showed F two F three. I thought it said F two. Maybe it's only F two. Um, it says F. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's F two. All right. Well, yeah. So my fault. Uh, you have Beerman, Juan Manuel Correa, Caelan Patrick. So get into that when the British Grand Prix comes around. Um, World Superbikes this week at Mizano. Uh, there were a lot of injuries going on in regards to World Superbikes. Recently at uh, Portugal at Estoril, um, Leon Haslam's not going to be racing. Uh, you got me, I don't know what, they, what that is. Rascatlioku, the top speed advantage. So as it stands going into this weekend at Misano, <laughs> yeah. Alvaro Bautista is up by 
17 points on Johnny Ray. Top Brack, Raskat Lioku, the defending world champion, is 52 points back in third. And it's really a battle amongst those three guys. Locatelli is fourth. Iker Lacuona is fifth on the Honda. Michael Rubin Rinaldi is sixth. Uh, Garrett Gerloff, who has struggled this year and has had issues with injuries, is in 12th. And you have said those two, and then you have 24 hours of Lama. So, um, Josh, I can bring you back in here. Uh, 20, just going to go and bring out, bring up the entry list for the, because it was from earlier this year anyway. There's going to be five cars in the hypercar category, uh, two Toyotas, the number seven with Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, Jose Maria Lopez. Then number eight with Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa. The Alpine, uh, Elf Matmut, number 36, Gibson, powered car with Andre Negrau, Mathieu Vaxvier, and Nicolas Lapierre. And then the Glickenhaus cars, which the, I guess the bold ones, gotta say something bold, are also full season competitors. So yeah, those are the four. The number 708 Glickenhaus car of Olivier Plow, Roman Dumas, Pippo Durrani. And then the 709 with Richard Westbrook, Ryan Briscoe, and Frank Malieu will be the five prototypes in the main category. Uh, the LMP2 category will see multi-time World Rally Champion Sebastian Ogier make his Lama debut in the number one Richard Mill car. Uh, the number five... Uh, Team Penske car will make their last race of this season before they move towards preparation for the Porsche LMDH or DP, whatever the hell they're. Yeah, that's. Yeah, DP. Uh, yeah, LM. Yeah, with Felipe Nazar, Dane Cameron, and Emmanuel Collard. You have other. I'm trying to go look for other familiar names. I mean, the Orlean Prema team, which has Robert Kubica and Louis Delatraz. Vector Sport has Sebastian Bourdais and Nico Muller. Uh, TDS Racing with that was, um, I'm trying to remember what team it was that ran in the uh, main prototype category as Matias Beach. The United Autosports team has Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque, Will Owen in the 22. And Josh Pearson's one of the youngest guys out there, along with Oliver Jarvis, Alex Lynn in the 23. Nielsen Racing, Rodrigo Salas, uh, Matt Bell and Ben Hanley. Um, Ed Jones, former IndyCar driver. Jonathan Aberdeen, a strong sports car racer. Oliver Rasmussen in the Jota Sport, number 28. Uh, Mamo Rojas, former DP champion back in the day, driving for the Duquesne, number 30 team. Uh, Sean Galeal, Rene Rast, Robin Frines for WRT, one of the stronger combinations in this category. Uh, Merker Badalotti, Dries Vantor in the other WRT. Esteban Gutierrez, Alex Brundle in the number 34 car. Uh, Ye Yefe, Ricky Taylor in the number 37 Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix da Costa, Will Stevens in number 38. Joda Sport Car, the second Joda Sport Car. Norman Natto, former Formula E driver, Ferdinand Habsburg, and former GT driver, Rui Andrade. 
David Heimeyer Hansen, former uh, GTD driver here in America, and Pietro Fittipaldi in the number 43, Bent Viscal, Tristan Vautier in the number 44, Stephen Thomas, the American driving for number 45 Algarve team, uh, with Rennie Binder, who made a couple of IndyCar starts, um, Sophia Florsch, Jack Aiken, and John Falb in the number 47, um, Algarve car, Patrick Pillay, former Porsche factory driver in the number 48, Julian Canal, Nicola Yamin, John Bedoiter in the number 65 for Olivier Panis's group. And, uh, yeah, I don't know who those guys are. In GTD Pro, uh, we'll see seven cars, three Ferraris, two Porsches, and two Corvettes. Uh, Alexander Paraguidi, James Collado, Daniel Serra in the number 51, AF Corsa Ferrari, number 52, Ferrari of Miguel Molina, Antonio Fuco, and David Rigon. The Corvettes, is Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, Nikki Katzberg. That's the car that runs in the U.S. in the GTD Pro category. And then the Nick Tandy, Tommy Milner, Alex Sims, 64 is the full-season uh, competitor. Uh, number 74, Riley Motorsports Ferrari will have Sam Bird, former factory Ferrari driver, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, the Australian V8 Supercar champion, and Felipe Fraga. And then the Porsche team, Jimmy Bruni, Richard Leitz, Frederick McAwicky in the 91, Kevin Estra, Michael Christensen, Lawrence Vantor in the, that car. So now 23 cars in the AM category, GTM. You have Tony V. Lander in the 21 AF Corsa Ferrari. The TF Sport Aston sees Marco Sorensen and Ben Keating. Uh, let's see who else is there. Nick Cassidy, Formula E driver in the AF Corsa number 54 Ferrari. American Brendan Aribe driving the Project 1 Porsche number 56 with Ben Barnacord, who just won last week at Detroit. Mikkel Jensen in the Kessel Racing Ferrari number 57. Uh, Alessandro Balzan in the Iron Lynx Ferrari number 60. Never even heard of that guy. Vincent A. Briel, A. Of course, a Ferrari. Ringer Van de Zanda. Mark Vami, Jason Hart in the JMW Ferrari number 66. Gabriel Aubrey races here in the States in the Spirit of Race 71 Ferrari. Pierre Eret and number 75 Ferrari. Dempsey Proton Porsche with Christian Reed, Harry Tinknell, and Sebastian Prio. The number 79 WeatherTech Porsche will have Cooper McNeil, Julian Andlauer, and Thomas Merrill. Giancarlo Fisichella and Richard Highstand in the number 80 Ferrari. Uh, Rahel Frey, Sarah Bovey, and Michelle Gadding in the Iron Dames number 85 Ferrari. Then um, Patrick Lindsay, Jan Halen, Dempsey Proton, uh, Porsche number 88. Uh, Matt Campbell, Zach Robichon, Michael Fassbender, number 93 Proton Porsche. Paul Dallalana, Nikki Team in the Northwest AMR, Aston. Yeah, that is an unfortunate name there. Um, so there is the field of the people that at least I know. So that'll be going on this weekend. Probably going to be a Toyota benefit. But the real battles will be in the LMP2 and GTD categories um, to see who goes and makes it through that whole entire field. So I'm going to go and throw to you, Josh, in regards to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this weekend. 
the um, status quo saw Ferrari um, give away the Monaco Grand Prix to Checo Perez. But in the end, Ferrari had great pace in qualifying. Azerbaijan is a track where top speed matters a lot, which um, Red Bull has seemingly had in uh, certain areas. So um, can, can Ferrari respond here in this spot? Can Charles Leclerc put it on pole and actually close the deal? Or are we looking at yet another Max Verstappen benefit like last year's race was supposed to be before he blew a tire and uh, made it really crazy? Or maybe Mercedes or some other team can actually go and do something in this spot relative to what they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And I think think the big key there is top speed. Like you said, um, you know, the Red Bulls last year should have won this race with Verstappen. And uh, they, you know, of course, blew the tire and everything. And um, top speed, they've had a lot of it this year. I mean, go back to Miami where they were six miles now or faster on the straights uh, compared to the Ferraris, which is, you know, huge uh, gap in speed difference and you know being able to um, run uh, that speed around the racetrack uh, is going to be interesting and uh, especially at a place like uh, Baku that's very very uh, fast along the the straights and you're going to need a lot of top end speed and it seems like the Red Bulls are really good in that department so I would expect Red Bull to at least have the pace to be able to handle that and um, I don't know I think they should be able to lead uh, all the sessions if they're able to rely on top speed, uh, of course, but Ferrari may be able to close the gap in the handling areas, uh, you know, in the braking zones and, and whatnot around this racetrack and around some of the more technical parts. So we'll have to see, but you know, I think um, Red Bull, this is probably the race where I would favor Red Bull for sure. Um, any other team is the same thing. I think you're going to need a lot of speed around this racetrack, and we haven't really seen any pace really from any of the other teams. Um, I haven't really seen much from Mercedes uh, so far. Uh, they've made some improvements, but we have yet to see kind of the fruits of their uh, labor per se. Um, have really, I mean, they haven't really been all too competitive, especially uh, Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, we'll see what happens there and everything. Uh, I think, you know, if Mercedes is able to kind of close the gap to. Uh, Red Bull and Ferrari, they're going to have to um, bring a lot of pace to this uh, uh, weekend, and we'll have to see what happens there. You know, I think um, for Ferrari, they have to they have to be able to be better than Red Bull, and certainly they need to be able to put uh, Charles Leclerc in a position where uh, they won't make a mistake, and you know, uh, they also need to be able to factor in that if they do make a mistake, they can at least not lose the lead, uh, which uh, should be key, and um, not be overtaken on pitch strategy or anything like that. So uh, they probably shouldn't undercut uh, Ferrari or Red Bull unless they feel like they need to. It's going to be tough because uh, if Red Bull comes out with blistering pace around this track, then uh, around the circuit, then I think um, it's going to be a uh, tough go to be able to um, get them on strategy, especially an undercut. I think maybe an overcut strategy, um, you know, they can preserve the car, let uh, Red Bull where you know where their tires out and uh their equipment out faster and you know maybe red bull being a, a faster car uh whatever they have to um use up the tires more the brakes more potentially um you know in, in the corners to stop the car um maybe maybe uh 
thinking about by that too much, but you know, the possibility of Ferrari um, undercutting, I think is probably not in the cards this weekend. I feel like maybe they would have to do an overcut strategy or something, just kind of, you know, thinking out loud there, I guess, but you'll have to see uh, what happens there. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely would pick for stopping the win this weekend. I think, um, I think this track favors them a lot more than uh, the Ferraris and Charles Leclerc. So, you know, we'll see. And, think for you know the rest of the field it's gonna be interesting midfield battle you know with mclaren with uh lando norris um you know alpine of course with fernando alonso and esteban ocon haas i mean talked about them i think feel like maybe they can at least have the a seat at the table in the midfield conversation for sure um the uh alp not out well alpine we already talked about the alpha tories of course pierre gasly Yuki Sonoda, uh, can they make any headway in that uh, midway category? Uh, we'll have to see. But and um, you know, uh, of course, there's other other cars. Of course, um, Williams and Alfa Romeo uh, with Alfa the Romeo Valtteri Bottas. Well. Yeah, so Valtteri Bottas could uh, make some headway, of course, in the, in that area of the point standings. But you know, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. But you know, I think it's going to be a lot of action on this race this weekend. Certainly. Uh, high speed track we've we've seen it every year almost uh some some type of issue so you know whether lewis hamilton spinning out max verstappen you know blowing out a tire other you know teams blowing out tires teammates crashing each other like max and dan ricardo did back in 2018 so uh there could be you know a lot of things happening alonso you know driving it back on two wheels um, in 2018 you know a lot of things can happen this race so expect this race to have a, a lot of craziness for sure yeah, it's something, it's another street race, and it's a little more challenging, a lot more speed, top end, more terminal velocity relative to, of course, Monaco. Um, they'll have the back-to-back here with Azerbaijan and then Montreal, so that'll play a role as well. I think there might be a little bit of conservation in some cases. Maybe there might be some interesting retirements because they're trying to save some equipment. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's a Red Bull race. Like Josh said, more than likely it'll be Verstappen because Checo beat him at Monaco. But who knows? Maybe Checo has the momentum. He's only 15 points behind. Uh, that would be an interesting dynamic. Uh-huh. I kind of want to see that because the last time they did it, they they basically um, screwed Mark Webber over. Um, but they've already given... They've already given Checo a two-year extension, so it's an interesting dichotomy they have there. Um, what will Ferrari do? What can somebody like uh, Carlos Sainz do, who still hasn't won his first race yet? Um, what is the McLaren deal? Can Daniel Ricciardo show up? Will he do anything? Um, the Mercedes team, with the porpoising, with the roughness of some of the areas on that racetrack, how will that exacerbate the handling on their car? Uh, will they be able to compete? Um, getting to one of Lewis's best racetracks, one of his historically best racetracks in Montreal, here next week, the place where he won his first Formula One Grand Prix um, 15 years ago. Um, can they give him something to work with leading into that race? Um, George Russell has done a great job so far this year. Uh, finishing the top five of every race this year. Can he continue that trend here in this spot? And then some of the other people that could possibly stand out, like the likes of Botas, maybe Kevin Magnuson, some of them other people. Uh, that's a goal. That's a goal for uh, Colorado. 
there it's four to three they, that is a goal make it four to three 1102 to go in the third period uh, trying to go and get the sweep here in uh, and get to stay in the cup finals for the first time in 21 years I was a young buck back then um, sorry you're going and got simulcasting going on here I was watching the bowling which saw uh, the Barnes family Chris Barnes and his son Ryan uh, who's a a bowler for Wichita State currently a win over the troops put it back on the hockey and uh, Colorado trying to get a four-game sweep um, Gabriel Landeskog oh he just smashed his stick there you go that's what I'm talking about there's your anger there's a little bit of anger um Get two more, let's put them away. That's what I'm saying. But um, I figure Max Verstappen's going to win this weekend too, and it won't be that big of a battle at all. Uh, let's uh, move to IndyCars, though. I think it'll be a little more interesting in the IndyCar race at Road America. I mean, one of the toughest circuits in the world. It's um beautiful track, challenges every aspect of driver, car, team, Um it's a long race, over four miles for one lap. There, I mean, there, there's no, I mean, just the atmosphere alone, just for fans, is supposedly really great. It's one of the bucket list places I want to go to in my racing fandom. But this race, it's a key component in the IndyCar calendar at the moment, um, trying to go and set the points here as they move towards the second half of the season, really. Um, I mean, when you look at the current situation points-wise, Asancio Grand Prix at Road America, they'll be there this weekend. Practice, will they'll run one practice in the afternoon on Friday. They'll have a practice in the morning on Saturday, and then they'll qualify Saturday mid-afternoon with a 30-minute uh, post-qualifying practice a couple hours after that. So it's uh, it's a challenging racetrack, Josh, and it's one that if you can win at Road America, you're you are one of the best. IndyCar winning at that racetrack, uh, you have to earn it. And um, I mean, they haven't even posted on Racing Reference. They need somebody to work there. Will they pay me? I'd go and post crap up in there. Um, in regards to the IndyCar results over the years, the Andrettis, of course, have done. Great there. Um, was it three, four, five, six wins for the Andretti family there? Um, in their time, got Emerson Fittipaldi won there three times, and then um, I thought for a second, yeah, Christian Fittipaldi actually won there too. Wow. Um, so yeah, Fittipaldi's have done well there too. Paul Tracy, amongst others, and then more recent times, you know, Bourdais there. A.J. Allmendinger talking about uh, back in 2006 when uh, he won at Portland, or he won at Portland in a champ car. He also won at Road America. And in uh, recent times since IndyCar returned, Power Power won there, uh, coming off of his win at Detroit. Dixon has won there twice. Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenquist won his one and only race. Uh, there in 2020 in the second of the two races they held there in 2020 and then Alex Pillow is the defending race winner uh, at Road America so I mean I guess we we go go at it in this sense you know when it comes to 
the standings right now and the points. I mean, Paddle Ward, he was, I'm trying to go back here in regards to IndyCar. I'm trying to go through who's won so far this year. I mean, Paddle has a win at Barber. Um, New Garden has two wins. McLaughlin has one, but has basically fallen off since uh, Fort Worth. Um, Colton Herta won Indy GP, but has had a couple of rough outings since then. Marcus Erickson, of course, wins the 500. But you look at two people, I think, um, I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I feel like it's a Ganassi time, and it's not Marcus Erickson. I think it's, whether it's Scott Dixon or Alex Pillow, I think this is a spot where they go and get a win and put themselves right smack dab into the points championship. Um, I don't know what you're thinking, Josh, but I think those are who I would look at personally. I mean, you can give me your thoughts for sure, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good uh, thought there, with especially with um, Alex Pelot. I mean, he won this race a year ago, taking advantage of uh, Joseph Newgarden's misfortunes, uh, being able to go out and win this race. And, um, you know, I think him and Scott Dixon both have a, a good chance of winning here. Um, they both... Uh, finished top five uh in this race a year ago and one winning and scott dixon or alex winning and scott dixon finishing in fourth so there's a good chance for both of them really and um this is definitely a, a track penske can win at for sure you know we've seen obviously we've seen in the past um we've seen uh multiple doo guys coming out here and winning um uh felix rosenquist has won here uh you know when he was driving for chip ganaski scott scott dixon uh, one uh, driving for Ganassi here back in 2020 and and in 2017. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a track for one of the big teams to go out and uh, possibly win at. You know, we've seen Alexander Rossi. We talked about him earlier that uh, could potentially win. It's going to be three years since Rossi has won a race uh, this upcoming weekend. So, uh, this track here, so he could, you know, this track where he could be good at. Obviously, he's won in 2019. Joseph Newgarden will power all winning at uh road america so it's a tough racetrack like you said and um, a lot of high speed corners of uh, course turn one uh from turn 14 long high straight uh corner going up up the hill turn three downhill down into turn five uh long uh straight here and uh always a you know heavy braking zone going into turn five so a lot of potential for passing then you know going through turn eight Nine and ten, the carousel going through through the kink all the way down through Canada uh, or Kettle Bottoms to Canada Corner in Turn Twelve. Um, you know a lot of a lot of high speed uh, action there. Um, you know we've seen in the past um, in you know Turn One, AJ Foyt, you know getting in an accident back in what nineteen ninety one at Road America and getting injured, and that was possibly going to be the end of AJ Foyt's IndyCar career. But of course, it lasted a couple more years. So. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Yeah, so but he only of, ran he only ran ovals after that. Yeah, so a lot of potential here for uh big big moments uh, at this racetrack and you know a couple years ago was it 2017 uh we saw Tony Kanon uh lose it in the kink and plow into the barrier. So yeah, a lot of potential here for heavy accidents of course and you know, got to be able to hit your marks and get them right of course and avoid those incidents uh 
and everything. So, yeah, I think um, this is probably a track that we, we see one of the big uh, teams win, like uh, Ganassi or Penske. Um, even even Andretti is still kind of a big team, right? With even with Rossi, you starting to run better. You know, we could maybe maybe we might see something from Roman Grosjean. Made a lot of highlights here at this track at this race last year. So, you know, definitely a, a potential for that uh, there. I mean. Even look out for uh, McLaren, right? Uh, Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist, of course. Like I mentioned earlier, Rosenquist already won at this track. Uh, Award uh, didn't finish well at this race last year. Finished in ninth place, so not really as high as what he wanted. But you know, certainly um, the uh, McLaren team certainly on a uprise uh, this season um, compared to where they were a year ago. Uh, so think uh, Award possibly could get a, a chance here to win this race or finish on the podium. We'll have to see, but um, you know I think definitely between those teams you're going to find find your winner for sure. But probably you know probably lean towards a Penske or Ganassi car that I think is probably a shoe in for this victory for sure. And you know I think I mean I go ahead and take it. I think Alex Plo can defend his win from last year and uh, go out and not only win it by. Um, good fortune like he did last year, but actually go out and win it outright by dominating the race. So I'll you know, call it right here. Alex below winning, uh, this Sunday at road America. Yeah. I just, in my excitement, since Nathan McKinnon just went and scored a goal to tie the game, uh, not only did I go and have something that you'll get to see on our, our YouTube feed, but I disconnected myself. So I think we're going to have like three different feeds on our audio, which is just going to be beautiful for me to edit tomorrow. Um, but, Either way, the the thing is, I mean, I agree with you, Josh. I think it's going to be a Ganassi race, whether it's it's Polo. I I feel Dixon. You know, I I thought Dixon was going to go out with in a rage uh, last week and win. Didn't happen. He was close, but this is his kind of circuit. Your the next two races or two of the next three races are tracks that are Scott Dixon tracks: Road America and Mid Ohio. He's won there like 8 trillion times, each of them. At the end of the day, Scott Dixon wants a seven championship. He didn't get Indy. So now what is he trying to do? Get number seven. Join the likes of join the likes of Foyt, Petty, Earnhardt, Johnson, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton. Be seven time, you know, like that's what he wants at this point, you know, to, and what better way to do it than in Wisconsin, Road America, Honda's um, home, American home, uh, Wisconsin, for where they build their cars and stuff. We'll see if Habo might make an appearance on the telecast. would be great. Uh, lives over there and has his dealerships over there. Um, Alexander Rossi, though, is going to be tough. He's motivated. He's a guy to look at uh, for sure. Wouldn't uh, count out uh, Paddle Award either. Um, he's done very well at Road American and IndyCar. Um, I mean, it, it it should be a great race. Um, it'll be a good uh, build-up to the day. You'll have, so similar to what we had a couple weeks ago in the greatest day of motorsports, you'll have Baku Formula One, you'll have IndyCar Road America, you'll have Sonoma uh, Cup Series action. So you'll be able to have a nice day full of racing on Sunday. Um, and there will be a lot of... Um, Good action at great motorsports facilities. Um, I mean, not so sure about Baku being a great motorsports facility, but Road America is. And Sonoma, I mean, it's a good road course uh, for whatever it is, um, but we will see. 
what happens there and what some of these other people can do. Close shot there. But um, we'll go to Sonoma. It'll be the first time in a few years that they're running the uh, short circuit uh, using the, instead of running the carousel and the hairpin, the like they used to do in the initial configuration of the track. They're going back to the uh, short shoot configuration at Sonoma, which they started running back in 1998. Um, oh man, that's a goal. Gabriel Landeskog, or is that Nishukin? Oh boy, wow, look at that. But the, yeah, it's Nishukin. On the power play, Landeskog passes back to McCarr. McCarr goes to, oh man. That is outstanding. They were down four to two when I put this game on. They've scored three goals and like oh Rantanen, my fault. Miko Rantanen. Five thirteen to go in the game. Game four. Colorado up five to four. Okay. All right, let's get back to the show. So um Jeff Gordon, of course, started his domination on road courses because they went and made that change to Sonoma. Uh, he won three straight years. Tony won in 2001 when Robbie Gordon started um, getting distracted by Kevin. Or I forget what happened in 2001. He was driving the seven car. All I know is that uh, Robbie Gordon was driving the seven car uh, for Jim Smith, and he was filling in as a road course ringer, and he was leading the race, and he got into it, I think, with Kevin Harvick. And because of that, Tony Stewart won that race. And that was the first of... What worked out to be uh, three wins for Tony at Sonoma. Um, of course, in 05, he won the championship. And then in 2016, uh, I mean, I would queue up. I should queue up the video here while you go and let me. Um, I'll, I'll let you go and preview this, and I'll get to go and play me losing my crap. And then we can go and play it on audio here in a second. Um, one of the most epic celebrations of a fan losing his crap. Um, Tony Stewart's 49th and last Cup Series victory when he used up um, Denny Hamlin's bitch ass to go and um, win that after Denny Hamlin went and, what is it, wheel hopped into him in turn seven. Turn five, but they call it turn seven. I don't know how you go from turn four and call it turn seven, but... In NASCAR parlance, that's how it works. But then that's, you know, kind of explains a lot of things. We're not going to get into stereotypes and inbred shit, but yeah. But um, that was, uh, I'm going to go and queue up that video here in a second while Josh goes and tells you who he thinks is going to win this weekend at Sonoma. Yeah, Phil, I'd love to see it. That video is always a gold mine there to watch. So yeah, looking forward to you queuing that up here in a second. But, you know, this, um, you know, this race is going to be interesting, uh, especially going back to the old layout. So kind of a bit of a different feel we haven't seen uh, in the last couple of years. But you expect the guys that have been good at road course racing uh, to start with, you know, over the last you know few years uh, to come out here and excel at this race. You know, we've seen, um, you know, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott the last couple of seasons become really good at road course racing. So expect, uh, you know, that to take place here. Um them both being up front, you know, home track for Kyle Larson from Northern California. Uh, so definitely think he'll be up front for sure. Ross Chastain, last uh, road course winner for uh, the Cup Series, uh, winning at uh, Coda, could come out here. And, you know, it's a very technical track as well, Sonoma, so could see uh, 
uh, Ross Chastain be one of the front runners in this race. Um, you know, I think uh, guys like Martin Truex, who you know won here in 2019 on the short shoot layout, could definitely be a guy that we see come out here and win uh, this racetrack. Uh, I think uh, I mean, Kyle Busch possibly be another winner uh, here. Uh, you know, he's a good road course racer. He's had several wins at this racetrack, so or one win at this racetrack. So I think he could come out with a possible win or a top ten. I think. Um, I think uh, Denny Hamlin is another guy that's fairly decent in the last few years at road courses. Of course, you mentioned him in 2016 against Tony Stewart uh, coming out on the short end of that stick uh, in, in that race uh, could come out here and uh, win. So it's going to be an interesting race with a lot of comers and goers and stuff, especially staged uh, racing strategy kind of ruins uh, road course racing because the fuel strategy and everything and the tire situation. So it's, uh, I don't know, not really the way I like it, I guess, but that it is what it is. And you know, it's been around for five years now. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how uh, teams adjust, especially with this new car. Uh, we'll see what kind of incidents kind of play out, especially, you know, with the, the Goodyear tires, um, different layout or, you know, different formula this year. And uh, it's a lot easier to um, have a flat tire than it is in the past, especially if you spin out. So, you know, we'll see what happens, especially, you know, going into some of these corners here, you know, from turn four uh, to seven, like you said, in the, the, the short shoot, do we see uh, something like, um, you know, cars spin out and then they can't recover and then they have to throw out the caution because uh, they got a flat tire or they, you know, limp it around the course at 35 miles an hour or everybody else is going a lot faster than that. It's going to be interesting. But, you know, I'd probably pick, uh, you know, Chase Elliott, I think. I think he can come out here and win at Sonoma, um, which he's never won at Sonoma before, I don't think. Uh, you know, he's only won at the other route courses that we've Yeah, uh, he had. hasn't won at Sonoma. That's one of the only ones he hasn't so, won at. So, yeah, um, so this would be interesting if he can pick up a win here at Sonoma. Yeah, and they just, uh, Edmonton just tied the game. So there's 2.15 to go in regulation, uh, three uh, games to none lead for the Colorado Avalanche. But it's a 5-5 game with 2.15 to go, probably going overtime here. Um, I think Chase Elliott is somebody to look at, of course. I would venture to say that the other Chase that's actually named Chase, um, Chase Briscoe, is another person. He had a great run going at Coda uh, earlier this year and didn't um, wasn't able to close the deal there, but then it's become kind of like a trend that um, closing hasn't become isn't the greatest isn't his greatest trait. Uh, I would look at yeah, I mean you brought up Ross Chastain, uh, Josh, uh, when it comes to the um, his win at Coda, I would look at Daniel Suarez, um, who had a dominant car early in that race at Coda and then kind of fell away. You're looking at this points battle right now, all these different winners. Suarez needs a win. Um, points aren't going to go in his favor right now unless he goes and starts knocking off top fives on the regular. Uh, but if if he can get stage points and top fives maybe, but you get a win, you put yourself in. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to go and say, I mean, I'm not going to do the homer pick. I'm not going to pick Briscoe. I'm not going to pick... Uh, Harvick because he hasn't really done a whole lot in road courses in a while um, I'm going to go and pick Daniel Suarez I'm going to go and say Daniel Suarez gets his first career win him and his amigos get to party with a lot of wine at Sonoma 
Um, generally not known as a track where people get their first wins, of course, in cop, but um, it would be a um, cool thing to see. Um, of course, Tony Stewart, at the track where he won his last race, he'll be in the booth, um, be something that Briscoe could win in his car. I'm pretty sure there would be a lot of beer on Clint Boyer's head. That does happen. Um, I think you have to look at Sindrick as a wild card I mean, he's not really a wild card on a road course, but in the sense that he hasn't been that competitive, um, if he was able to go and make something happen here, get that second win, lock himself into the playoffs would be a huge deal there as well. Um, And then, I mean, the Toyotas uh, are always solid there. Uh, Martin Truex is a multiple-time winner at Sonoma. Uh, He's one of the best there. Can he go and give himself that um, solidify himself into the playoff with uh, an opportunity by going and winning there. Um, it's a track where I think Sonoma is more of an open track where you're able to um, put yourself in the place to go and make it happen. Um, I think R- Watkins Lens more of a driver's track. Um, Ro- uh, Sonoma is more about uh, going and kind of just putting yourself in position. If you drive well, um, it'll pay off at Watkins Glen. You don't have to really drive the best. You just kind of have to get yourself in position at uh, Sonoma. And so we'll see stages of, as Josh mentioned too, of really fucked up road racing in the Cup Series has made it worse um, and not for the better. So I guess we'll see what happens with that on Sunday, and then we'll talk about it on episode 119. Uh, Josh, uh, let us know. Uh, what you're doing on the, uh, um, what do you call uh sim side and, uh, what's going on with that and where you're, some of the places you're going to be going here in upcoming weeks. And then I, I actually have, oh, there you go. So I do have it. I don't know if you could have heard, if you heard that part over there with the video playing, but, um, no, oh, yeah, I think you have to share your screen for that. So I'll go and share my screen, go live, go and do that, and go to that. Oh, it kicked out. I'm trying to do that. Um, it won't work, but um, stop streaming. Yeah, Okay, good. Um, can you hear that? No, I... Uh, here, you can me, hear it on the background. Yeah, give me the link. I'll share it. I'm going to go having a little bit of technical here. Uh, at the end of the GSP. Yeah, just, yeah, go ahead and copy-paste that. I got you. All right. Excuse me. All right. Uh, sure. Yep. So this, so just as a preface, this was me at the end of the 2016 Sonoma race um, when uh, Tony was leading late, and um, he hadn't won in three years, over three years in a cup car, all the shit that had gone on, broken his leg, um, had the whole war deal um, go on there as well. And he was finally in a position to possibly win. He had went and injured his back, um, sand rail driving with now his future wife, or his now wife, um, and uh, missed the Daytona 500, missed other races, and he needed to win a race to get into the playoff. So um, this yeah. is 
the this is the uh, the aftermath of all these years of uh, frustrate. It's like Mike Joy's announcement or when or call when Dale Earnhardt finally won the five hundred. It was the the uh, the uh, amalgamation of years of frustration and anger and sadness, along with one of my good friends who is now past the safer barrier, giving me shit the whole entire time while Tony was leading the race. Um, and saying, oh, he's going to lose, he's going to lose, oh, fuck Tony, all the shit that he would always say. And, you know, between the amount of social lubrication I'd already had at that point, plus not wanting to listen to him, and the fact that he hadn't won in three years, this is what happened. Yeah, so play again. I don't hear anything. You don't hear anything? Nope. Uh, wait, hold on, hold on. You don't hear anything? Wait, let me... You're live, but I don't hear anything. You should be able to hear this. Hmm, hold on. It's the same kind of thing as what I had going too. You hear that now? I just yelled all that. I I just yelled with the video and everything. It just missed it. Oh fuck it, whatever. Uh yeah. Man, that was exciting. Like I know you guys have your you and and Joe with with Dale Jr. winning those races, but it was it was the twenty. 2005 Brickyard 400 for me. Um, it still makes me emotional watching that race. Um, I remember when I originally watched that race. Um, it still makes me emotional every time I watch it. That race, um, Coke Zero 400 a few weeks before was pretty big too. Um, 2002 Watkins Glen was a big one because I think he was going to get fired. Um, and then, I mean... In regards to wins, that that win meant so much to me as a fan, and I've been excited. I got emotional when Brad won his last race for Penske last year, um, and I was really shocked how emotional I got, but I kind of knew it was going to be his last win there. But it wasn't the same, you know, because of I had invested all those years. It's when that's your favorite driver for so long, and um, to have to go through all those bad times, thinking about what I'd went through previously, losing drivers as a fan, um, and then Ernie getting hurt and all that, and then um, getting to Tony, and then Tony being in all the shit that ended up happening to him. Um, it was it was meaningful. And um, I think if you're, really, if you're a real race fan, you're liable to have a moment that is embarrassing like that um, and hilarious for your friends to go and goof on you about. It's okay. I'd rather be goofed on because I have passion than to just be some person who's just a hater or a clickbait person or whatever. You know, like that's what racing is about. It's been my life. It's been my life since I was a little kid. I'm, uh, this has been 30, 31 years, you know, uh, and, that's what it is. If you really love something, if there's something that really means something to you, that's what you're supposed to be chasing. That's what about life's about, supposed to be about. That's why this show exists. Um, me freaking out, losing my crap with the barrier. Um, the backstory to that is interesting in its own right. There's plenty to that backstory. But um, it was a great day. And hopefully I can go and celebrate like a lunatic on Sunday because Briscoe wins. 
because I know if that happens, then freaking Tony's going to lose his shit, too. Um, but um, if not, I figure it'll probably be a status quo person like a Hendrick driver or Gibbs guy. But, um, Josh, before, um, oh, did you go and do the whole sim deal? Did you no. say where you're going to race? Yeah, so let's go and get into that before we close. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about your deal, but no... Um... Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been this and sim racing, I guess, since I was a little kid. But now this week, um, I racing week thirteen. This the uh, fun week between seasons. So we just finished season two. On um, I racing, how we transition to season three. So there'll be you know a whole bunch of new racetracks and stuff and content, which they just released the GT three and the Mercedes uh, AMG GT three uh, and the. I think the yeah the GT4 so should be interesting road road course car uh, for the GT4 class and um, think yeah they re- released a Fuji Speedway and Sandown uh, circuit uh, from Japan and Australia so should be interesting there um, and you'll break down those tracks with the new GT4 uh, Mercedes so um, should be a lot of fun if you want to get those contents on iRacing um, the other yeah they've got some of the other tracks oh yeah there's a new radical sr10 which um that's uh one of the other road racing cars that they have on that racetrack or on on the the series you know the the server and everything so it's gonna be a interesting stuff for new content and um some of the other series that races in the week 13 ridiculousness with Lotus 79, Stock Car Brazil, and then the uh, Mazda MX-5. So it's going to be a lot of class overlap and uh, things uh, between three completely different classes of race car. Um, it sounds and, like dinner yeah. with racers. Is yes, what it sounds that's like. what it sounds like. The sporting code still applies, but you know, you're not going to lose any safety or I rating. So um, kind of have fun or whatever, as long as you don't do anything intentional, you know. Um, or you know, no intentional wrecking stuff like that. So, out of curiosity, of if you were to race in that race, which one would you choose? Probably the just do the the um, the Miata, because most people own the Miata. And that's probably one I would do. Um, I don't have stock car Brazil and Lotus. I've never raced on the Lotus Seventy Nine, so um, I probably just stick the one I know. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun, especially you're because you're going to be the slow one, and people have to go around you. I was yeah. thinking you would, to me, the 79, it's one of the greatest Formula One cars ever. Mario Andretti's world championship winning car, if you have it, of course. If you don't have it, that's a whole different thing. But then when it comes to uh, the, the Miatas, a spec Miata class, at least it's a drafting battle. You're you're having to just stay in position and wait for all the nonsense to happen late. Uh, it's kind of super speedway racing on steroids because... There's 30 of you all in one spot, really. Uh, and you're not going to go away that easy. You're really yeah. only going to be taken out by the Brazil stock cars, which basically are made out of balsa wood. Um, yeah. When they hit the wall, it's not pretty, um, which is amazing to me that Tony Kanan's wife allows him to go and drive him, but that's beside the point. But, um, yeah, so check Josh out um, on his stream which is on Twitch. So um, where can we see your Twitch stream there, Josh? Yeah, of course. Go on uh, twitch.tv slash UCLA2. Go watch my racing on there. Still got all my content. You know, still the Indy 500. Still got that up there. So go ahead and check that out and see see how I did. 
which I won. So you can see how that happened and everything and all future content be on there, of course. Yeah, and somebody and, freaking out and losing their voice and going nuts. Yeah, yeah he did that too. So yeah. you know, everyone wants to judge people. Yeah. No, we both are passionate about racing. He's done it behind the wheel. I've done it behind the wheel too, but not at that level. Um, I've I've done it with a lot of um, social lubrication, um, and um, I've done it in other areas. So the fact of the matter is we're two friends that have passion for motorsports. That's why the GSP is the place you want to be. Yeah, so, of course, that's... On the menu this weekend, of course, for racing, or this week for racing, of course, um, uh, real life, I may do some, I don't know, let's think about maybe doing some go-karting this weekend in Orlando or something, going to Orlando Kart Center or uh, K1 Speed, both pretty good uh, places to go out and uh, go run karting, uh, so maybe maybe on Friday or something like that, I don't know, or Saturday, do some karting if I have some time. Not sure exactly what my weekend plans are yet, but if I'm totally free, I'll probably do some of that maybe. We'll see. So uh, go there, or well, uh, I don't know. I am i don't have any video camera or anything like that, so you wouldn't be able to see it, although K1 Speed does provide, if you want, they do provide um, uh, video camera that uh, they can tape your races they have like a gopro or something to give you to attach on your helmet and then you race or yeah you do your race thing and then i think they send you the video clip of your race if you want it uh there but got that and then um the rest of the stuff you know with twitch and um i already said twitch and everything so the social stuff uh twitter jp huffine go in there follow and watch uh yeah follow and you know see what i have to say about racing and all all this stuff about you know other things like sports like football uh ufc uh you know baseball whatever basketball nba finals this week next week nhl finals uh this week next week so you know we'll see you know what happens uh you know phillips are rooting for colorado avalanche uh, uh i would like to see the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, why not keep going for the three-peat? They've gone two-time defending champions in Stanley Cup, so let's go for three in a row. Why not? I'll not really, haven't really been into hockey that much, but you know, why not? Let's hop onto the bandwagon. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I guess what I'm into right now. And of course, uh, yeah, again, JP Huffine Twitter, Twitch TV slash UCO2, and then of course the YouTube where this will be on later this week. Uh, Group Share Podcast YouTube, go look up that and talk about or watch us talk about uh, all the racing stuff and you know, our interviews that we had with Joe and uh, Spencer Neff a couple weeks ago um, for the 500 in Monaco and 600. And then you can go and watch all that stuff. Um, got uh, we'll, we'll post the video of um, this uh, and you can watch our latest edition and all the other good content that we have on our video page. So yeah, go subscribe, like comment on all our videos. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you mentioned Tampa Bay uh, going for a three Pete and then they're going against New York Rangers. Uh, one of our, our guys in our uh, fantasy football league, one of my boys, Manny, uh, he's a New York Rangers fan. Uh, so he's looking for the Rangers. We've been joking around for a long time because he's a Rangers fan. I'm an Avalanche fan. It'd be something if there was a Rangers Avalanche Cup final. So there is a possibility of that. They are in overtime here in Game Four. Just uh, started. Um, stick just uh, fell out. Kale McCarr just got slashed. It looks like 
Uh, it's not good. Um, but he's on the he's on the bench. Okay, he's okay. Um, so we'll see about that. Uh, for me, I mean, I'm behind in regards to the audio of an episode. The video feed, of course, is out there. Josh posted it. So if you want to see episode one seventeen. Uh, it's already out there. Episode 118 and all the different parts it's going to be in will be out uh, along with 117 here shortly. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow us at GripStripPod on Twitter. Um, PhilipGMatthew.com. Uh, you can find the show on the blog site. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal, and of course the Gripshire Podcast YouTube page, uh, as Josh mentioned earlier. And oh, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Holy Mother of God. Wow. Uh, with that, um, congratulations. And. The Grip Strip Podcast with the Colorado Avalanche for the first time in 21 years. They're doing a review, though. They're doing a review. Um, we'll let you know what said review states here. Um, I mean, I kind of want to hold on here because there's... Oh, yeah. there's oh, hit him in the head. Oh, no, that's a goal. It's a good goal. That is a good goal. It's over. The freaking Colorado Avalanche just they came back from 4-2 to two down. Letting in, oh, Kale McCarr with the send after getting sent off, went and hit, letting in, deflected. Oh, man, that is, oh, that is sexy. Oh, man. They win over. They won over the Edmonton Oilers in a four-game sweep. All right. Oh, man. So, Colorado Avalanche, first time in 21 years, um, are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. I was in high school. Um, I was around a bunch of Devils fans who all said really disturbing, fucked up shit to me uh, during that said Stanley Cup final, saying awful things and saying this and that and the other was going to happen. And um, in the end, the um, Colorado Avalanche came through, uh, what is it called, uh, 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 Ray Bork in his uh, final games of his legendary, illustrious career. Uh, won uh, a Stanley Cup in his final series and uh, was able to retire as uh, a Stanley Cup champion. And uh, in this case, the Colorado Avalanche, after being down 4-2 to two in this game, have now um, won 6-5, a four-game sweep, and they're on to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in 21 years. Um, Joe Sackick, who is the GM and the president of the club, uh, now was uh, the captain uh, when they won the Stanley Cup the last time in 2001. Uh, him and Forsberg and Patrick Waugh, uh, Ray Bork, amongst other people that were on that team. So, exciting moment here on the Gripshire Podcast. Got to hear it live. Uh, I got some more hockey to go and watch here, here in the summer. Hopefully the Avs can go into the Stanley Cup, and uh, I'll be a happy guy if that happens. But they got through to the Western Conference Finals, finally got past that uh, hump, got over that with the St. Louis Blues, and then somehow or another beat Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and that whole entire crew at the Edmonton Oilers, uh, one of the best teams in the league. And now they get to wait to see who they will play, whether it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
which Josh is rooting for, or the New York Rangers, which Manny's rooting for. We'll see what happens with that, and we'll update you here on the next episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. But for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. Um, take care of one another. Be good to one another in this time and this day and age of all the effed up stuff that's going on. And be smart. Go and use thought and logic. It's not that hard. If you're a dumbass, just just stay out. But if you're really if you're a dumbass, you're not listening to the show. To be fair, but um, if you know people who are dumbasses, tell them to stay home and stay in like a padded room to protect us from those idiots, so that we can go and live our lives and or get them help um, because they probably do need it. But otherwise, um, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.